This is a Broad Pods production. Hi again, it's Lauren here. Today, I talk to Miranda Swift, the winner of the Narwick New South Wales 2022 Future Leaders Award and the New South Wales President Choice Award. She's such an inspiring young woman who, at the age of just 22, has had such an amazing career. Miranda tells us about winning her award and what was behind her pledge to donate half of her scholarship winnings to help other young women in construction. She's an incredible woman who has an exciting future ahead of her. Miranda, welcome to the podcast. Did you want to introduce yourself? Um, so my name's Miranda. Uh, I work for Northrop Consulting Engineers and I was the winner of the University Award at the New South Wales Excellence Awards last year. I'm a cadet engineer and I study civil engineering. Amazing. And Miranda, how easy was it for you to get into construction? Um... Look, for me, I probably found it, I probably had it a little bit easier than other young girls. There's not a lot of opportunity um, to get into it, but I guess if you end up in the right place at the right time, um, for me, it was probably potluck, but there's not a lot of frontline opportunity to get into construction as a young girl. Can you talk to me about your potluck, as you call it? So how did you get into it? Why were you so lucky? versus other girls that wouldn't understand or know about construction? So, yeah, when I was in year 10, um, we had to do compulsory work experience and I I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought about architecture because I like playing Sims. <laughs> um, and that's literally it. I love that. I listened to a lady speak with the power of engineering. She was working on a road, a road upgrade near my house and I thought it was kind of cool. Um, she wore steel cap boots and that's literally and I thought that's kind of cool so I decided to um, google where I could do work experience at an engineering firm um, I ended up at a geotechnical firm so we were digging dirt samples for a week and it was literally the most horrible experience <laughs> and it was like winter in Bathurst and it was negative degrees and I was in a shed digging dirt but I thought I would try civil engineering. So I emailed a civil engineering firm um, and I rocked up um, steel cap boots and these bright pink socks that I still have (laughs) and did work experience. And on the last day, um, the director offered me a job. He asked if I wanted to work as a structural drafts person. And at this point, I didn't even have my license. Like, I just got my L's. So, um, yeah, I went in every day. I fast-tracked my year 10 exams and um, learned how to design house slabs and use AutoCAD. And, yeah, um, so I I say it's potluck that I ended up there in the right place at the right time, I guess. The drafty at the time was going away on her honeymoon, so... They needed someone to fill in um, and for some reason the director was like, yeah, let's give this 16-year-old girl a go. <laughs> um, so that's what I think is my potluck but, yeah, that's how I got it. It's an amazing, amazing story, Miranda, and I think you're just you're so young but you've done so much and you've achieved so much in sh- such a short period of time. Um, it's really amazing to watch you and your journey in, in construction. 
Um, so I applaud you for everything that you're doing because not only are you breaking barriers down, but you're also showing the way for young young females in high schools and what it could look like to have a job in construction. So it is amazing what you're doing out there in the industry. And when you did start, did you find anything difficult? Was there any negative experiences that you would like to share? Um, to be honest, when I started, no, not really. Um, it was in a small regional town, so I wasn't exposed to the big world of construction uh, quite as much. I definitely had a few encounter- encounters when I was really young. Um, I don't think it was, I think it was a given considering I was so young. Um, just like assumptions that I was the engineer's daughter and that I was like too young and um, like why listen to me. Definitely as I got a little bit older, still not old, like when I was 19 and I started going into meetings with clients, um, definitely they didn't take me seriously. Like I used to have to have one of the engineers, um, the older guys stand outside the door just in case the client would talk over me or um, I guess be rude, but wow. I think a lot of that comes with my age as well. So your age and the fact that you're a female in yeah, construction there as was, well. At the time, there was no other females in like in that firm that did technical work or drafting. Yeah, it was it was all males. Yeah, right. And can you talk about anything that you've noticed that has changed since when you started to now in construction? Has there been any big changes that you've noticed? I don't think so. I think I've only been in the industry. I mean, it's been six years or seven years since I started. No, I don't think so. I'd I'd like to say that there's more outreach now, but I also think I'm more exposed to it now because I'm not isolated in um, like the Central West. I guess there's uh, more programs and more outreach um, into schools. Um, There's more of a chance that a girl's going to hear about a career path in construction than there was when I was in school. That, that's a really big win for us, um, that there's, you know, more chances of, of young females hearing about construction. So that's a huge win for the industry as well. And so we often hear about misconceptions in the construction industry versus barriers. So we know that there's genuine barriers in construction for women and then there's misconceptions. Do you have any myths, I guess, you would like to bust from your experience in construction? Yeah, I think... I think that um, sometimes there's maybe a picture painted that like all men are bad, like like that you know, um, you know, females in construction like get rid of the men. Like there can be a bit of a misconception about what we're actually trying to achieve, or um, some people maybe take the wrong ap- approach. But I think that you definitely definitely should emphasize like how many incredible males and champions of change there are in the industry like I've been mentored and carried through almost sponsored by so many incredible males who want to advocate for women in engineering and women in construction so I think maybe a misconception is like when we do some people go really hard at you know women in construction women engineering they forget to say like but you know we actually need diversity and we actually need these incredible males as well and we need to acknowledge that and um, reward those males that are champions of change. Uh, I absolutely agree with that statement, Miranda. I think one of the biggest pros for women in construction is the male allies that there are and there's so many male allies around 
um, that sometimes a few bad eggs can can damage that reputation. But there's so many incredible men that I've met um, through my my time with Narwick that are doing just that. They want to see women succeed. They want to see more women. A lot of them are fathers to young women as well. So they want to make sure that the industry is safe for them um, when they come through, if they want to come through to construction. So I think there's definitely some some really great men out there. And some of the, the women that um, I've heard from in the industry often talk about their male champions or sponsors that really took them through their journey um, in construction. And they're now CEOs of, you know, tier one construction companies or, you know, in really high positions. So it's really nice to see that the men will support women on their career path. So I love that you've mentioned that as a misconception because I absolutely agree. I think men are champions of women. Miranda, I want to kind of touch on your your winnings. So the the award that you won in New South Wales, I was present at the time and you blew everybody away. I don't think anybody anybody in in the audience had a dry eye that night because you were just so incredible on that stage. Um, and that led you to becoming the New South Wales President Choice Award winner as well for Narwick. And it's led you on an incredible journey. I, I believe you're going to New Zealand. Do you want to share a little bit about what that experience was like for you? Um, yeah, I think so. I think um, I'll start by saying that I actually talked about the Narwick Awards when I lived in Bathurst and when I was a really young cadet. So I've, I've been out of there for 18 months or two years now. And the year before, I actually talked about this award with my boss. And for me, it was like an unachievable thing. Like, all I thought to myself was, like, um, Joe Griggs hosts that. Like, that's so unachievable. Like, that's the coolest thing ever. Like, there's no way, like, I could do that or apply for that. And I actually didn't apply because of that. I just thought, no way. Like, someone from Bathurst, like, um, so when I came to Northrop and it came up in conversation about the Narwick Awards with my my boss um, at the time. And he was like, like, just do it. Like, I'm going to write you a letter. Like, I'll endorse you for it. Like, okay. And I'm like, fair enough. I didn't even know that there was such thing as like industry um, memberships or anything like that. So he wrote me this letter and I messaged a friend's mum asked for a letter as well. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Like, um, he kind of nominated me, like endorsed me. And I thought nothing of it. Actually didn't even know any really anyone else within Northrop from different offices or anything like that. And I just got told to email this person for a ticket. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And so when I found out I was a finalist, I was like, oh, wow, like that's the coolest thing ever. And I actually, the first thing I did was call my old boss in Bathurst and tell him. Everyone was like so stoked. <laughs> and then Isabel, my colleague in Sydney, she's like, okay, so you have to write a speech just in case you win. I'm like, oh, what are you even saying a speech? Like as if I would win. Aww. Like I literally went on LinkedIn and stalked the other finalists and I was like, there's no way I'm going to win. Like why would I need to write a speech? <laughs> so on the train to Sydney for the awards, I like just – wrote in the notes on my phone. Like, uh, I didn't even know what I was doing. I don't know where that came from, but I just like jotted it down, I guess. And and then I printed it out when I got to Sydney. And yeah, when I was like sitting in the seat, 
Isabel was like, oh, come on, like, you got to take this seriously. Like, you could win. Like, you can't be eating the entrees. Like, they're about to, you're the first award. <laughs> so, yeah, she's like, come on, like, you might get called. And then when I got called, I actually, my friend <laughs> recorded the reaction. I was like, what eat. the heck? <laughs> I just got up and I guess read this, what I'd written on the train. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think much of it. And I, I never did it for like the money, like it's a scholarship. I never did it for that. So that's kind of why I was, um, like I said in my speech that I would give away some of the money because I just like, I don't know. I just thought I don't really need the money, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> um, yeah. And then that night literally changed the trajectory of my career. Like I, yeah, I, I ever, people started recognizing me and just last night I was at the University of Newcastle and someone came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and they were like, oh my God, you're Randa. Like I saw you talk last year at the Nalik Awards and she, she's like, you're literally amazing. And I was like, I don't even know who you are, but thank you. <laughs> so yeah. And I guess from then, like Nalik New Zealand invited me over to speak <laughs> Um, and it's just been like so crazy, like being recognized and getting opportunities. Um, I've spoken in Sydney a few times and I'm like working with some people from the Department of Education and just like, it's crazy the things that have happened in the last, um, like just shy of six months, literally just from that speech I wrote on the train. I think Miranda, for me, the biggest part of your speech was when you offered to give part of your scholarship away because it was such a beautiful moment to see that happen. You know, usually when somebody wins something, they do it for themselves, but yours, you know, you want to help other women and that's what it was about. It was about giving part of that scholarship to somebody else in need so that they could fulfill their dreams. And I think that's what captured everybody. And I think taking this young, beautiful woman saying that on a stage, what kind of advice would you give to business leaders? Because I mean, that simple act of kindness was so, it was such a huge moment for me personally and a lot of other people that night. So what would you say to business leaders? How would you, what advice would you give them to encourage women to get into construction? I think a lot of leaders and a lot of people, prominent people in the industry, I think they get caught up thinking of women in construction and women in STEM as a, a number that they have to hit or a quota or like the business goals of what diversity will do for the business. And I think that they forget about the fact that you're dealing with real people. Like as much as we're doing so much better than we were for diversity, the people that we're trying to attract, the young girls you're trying to encourage into a new career path, like they're still young girls I feel like when you get to a position of power like it's sometimes is this goal they have to hit for their business and this whether it's a marketing quota or recruitment goal or and you get so caught up being like how can we get them in like we need to get them in. we need to hit these numbers like we need to achieve diversity like our projects are going to run so much smoother like we're going to be recognized in the industry but in actual fact the leaders need to stop and be like okay there are young girls that we want to encourage into this industry and they have so much going on already, so much on their plate, so many things against them, especially post-COVID. They're just people, like they're young people, whether it whether it's like male or female, like these high school students, they're just young, 
people like facing the world and the business leaders need to remember that and like think of ways how they can actually help them like get into the industry I guess like for me being from a regional background I just feel like it's it's like a forgotten species like there's so many challenges in even just getting to university that these business leaders forget I don't know just for me pledging that money was like if I can do it and I'm a cadet and I'm an undergrad and I can help them with so much less like a wealth and power than these leaders then why can't they do it too like they're in the position of power if if I can stand up there and and help these young girls then why can't they it's so simple isn't it it's such a simple concept um that you bring to the table which is what I love the most it's they are they're just teenagers they're not tick boxes they're not the bottom line they are teenagers or young women coming through how do we support them? What do they need? And from your experience, especially being in regional, it is difficult to get to uni. It's a it's a whole set of different challenges that regional women face as a part, you know, as opposed to city folk. So I think there is something in that that business leaders need to start thinking about. How do we support our regional girls? How do we support our regional women? And what does that look like? I mean, that simple act of kindness that you offered. It's so true. There's so much money out there. How is it that a young woman can stand up that is a cadet and offer half of her scholarship to somebody else or a portion of the scholarship to somebody else and big businesses can't do the same? So it is. it was a really interesting concept that you bring to the table and I hope that anybody that listens to this can take that from you because it is such a simple concept. How can we help our women? How can we help the disadvantaged people or people that live in regional areas, what can we do to help them? And it's those little things that will really help people, that will keep people in the industry. And so what do you love about this industry? Um, Definitely, the. I always say this, I always speak about it, the people that I've met. And I know there's good people in every industry, but I think because construction is so diverse, like it crosses paths with so many different disciplines, you just meet the most interesting, like incredible, like driven people. And it's, it, yeah, it's like quite a challenging industry sometimes. And like you do, the people that you meet are just so like, so driven, like I said. So definitely one of my favorite things that stands out to me in construction and in engineering um, are the people. And I think I've been really fortunate to have a pathway where I've crossed paths with people who have quite literally changed my life and helped me, and guided me and sponsored me and like, there are some like bad people out there and there are people that have to learn and there's business leaders that have a lot to learn, I think. I don't know if I can say that as a kid. Yes. There's like different perspectives and like people who have to learn a lot, but like still so many people who are willing to help and good people, I guess. And so is that what keeps you in the industry? Is it the people or is there another reason why you want to stay? To be honest, I just, I love my job. Like I love, I like do design engineering and I just think it's really cool. But the people are a big factor. The people I've crossed paths with are a huge factor in like if it's if it's like too hard or I'm tired, like it's the people that get you through at the end of the day. So yeah, definitely a huge factor. And I like I emphasize this a lot. Um I spoke last night at the University of Newcastle and said like you don't really have to like chase money or titles, big companies, like you just need to find a place place to work that you get along with the people and the people look after you. And I think that's a really key point where the people look after you. 
what would you like to see happen for women in construction and construction in general? Um, I'd like that um, there's more more consideration, I guess, um, more discussion about the challenges. Not the challenges of being women in the industry, but the challenges of getting into the industry. I think there's, like, not enough slack cut, I guess. Slack cut? I'm not sure if that's the right term. There's not a, there's not enough leeway and consideration for how hard it is for some people. Like, if we're focusing on getting people in the industry who already, they have privilege, they have money, they have support, then we're not really doing anything different because the chance of them pursuing a career in construction if they're interested is that they've already got a, a set pathway or a better chance. I think the change is going to come from helping the girls who don't have a chance and I'd like like more consideration for that and I guess more less money like wasted on like <laughs> being shining things and more money put into focusing on creating those pathways and cutting some slack for people who actually need help getting into construction. So it's taking it back to the grassroots level, right, and making sure that those people, the most vulnerable, are able to come through to construction rather than having a big shiny shindig. What can that money actually be used for to help get more women into construction? And I think that's a really interesting point. And so we talked a little bit about business leaders and what they could do to help attract women. Do you see the government and what they could be doing? Is there anything that you believe the government could be doing to help get more women into construction? Yeah, I've learned a lot about where the government funding goes and women in STEM, uh, women in construction lately, I guess. I think when you look at where all the funding goes at the moment, it doesn't really make sense to why there's not a greater trajectory of change because there's a lot of money there, but like, where's it going? I think there's definitely some pretty incredible programs out there, mentor programs, but I think there needs to be money put towards more like genuine change. So I think there's a lot of money getting thrown into organizations who look good maybe or um, have a good idea, but maybe not the most genuine intentions because at the end of the day, if that money's going to be allocated properly and used properly and really utilized by people who actually need it I feel like there has to be like a genuine delivery and a genuine like passion behind it almost for example like getting so much government funding and say creating like an adversity scholarship or regional help for women in construction women in STEM it's not so much about yeah throwing it towards an initiative that's going to build in that area it's throwing it towards a person who can reach those people and actually like make change I don't know if that kind of makes sense. I just feel like the money's getting thrown to like the right intention, but it's not getting like delivered and it's not reaching the people it needs to reach. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There are definitely um, issues with how government money is spent. Um, And I think, you know, it comes back to what can we actually do? How do we make sure that the, the most vulnerable people, people in regional areas, are seen, are heard, and are helped. And I agree. I think sometimes, you know, we throw money at shiny things, but is that going to help the industry? Is that going to help get us more women in construction? Maybe, maybe not. And I think the evaluation of that needs to happen. So if you've spent money with this company, then what 
What have they produced? How many women did we get through? What was the initiative? How much was spent? How many people were helped? And I think that needs to be the evaluation piece needs to be considered for the next time they issue funding. But I definitely think that's a really great way to look at it. And so what do you think is needed to change the culture, to make it safer and happier and to remove the stigma that construction comes with? That's a big question. That's a, yeah, that's a big question. Well, I think what everyone says, like what everyone says, that change is going to come with a more diverse industry. Yeah, making it safer. Like when you go and do high school outreach or you put money into um, women in construction programs for high school girls, it's kind of like the unspoken thing is, is it safe? Is there like, are they at risk of sexual harassment? Are they going to feel comfortable? Are they going to feel okay going to work when they're surrounded by men that there's like a history for those things. I, I guess, yeah, it's just going to come with change more women in the industry. Like that's just going to naturally happen. I don't know that there's anything we can do. Like I, I've thought about it a lot. I don't know there's anything we can do. Definitely education around what's right and wrong. I think that comes from an organization level and putting faith in your female employees and your juniors and however old they are, you know, investing in them because it's going to happen less the more we have like strong female leaders. I don't know that there's an immediate solution. Just like, I actually don't know. It's it's quite a tricky question. And so I kind of want to talk a little bit about the leaky pipeline. So at Nawik, we looked at the issues in construction that, you know, women faced and we can see that, you know, we, we do have a number of women coming into the industry, but they're not staying. So it it might mean that you know, these new people coming in might not like it after, you know, a year and they leave. We see it in apprentices a lot where they start an apprenticeship and then they leave. And that's not just women, that's also men as well. Why do you think they're leaving after they come into the construction industry? And what do you think we can do to kind of fix it? I think there's a lot of factors that could contribute. I think one of them is um, what we just talked about, the safety and the sexual harassment and the environment that it is working as a young girl in the industry, I definitely think that would contribute to people staying. I think another thing that is probably not spoken about much is uh, particularly as a junior going into construction. I kind of touched on it before. I don't think there's enough consideration for like how hard it is. So you start in this fast-paced, heavy, very challenging industry and more often than not, there's not a lot of how are you going, like keep this up, like you're doing great. It's kind of like you're this expectation that you're going to kill it and you're going great. We've talked about before, there's lots of like mental health stigma around construction as well. So I think that's something that could definitely change retaining people in the industry. Just having more open discussion about whether or not you're okay and being more open to positive feedback, like I see it so much that leaders and managers don't well, are quick to deliver bad feedback, but not positive feedback. And I think in an industry like construction, like you have to be a bit kinder and you have to be a bit nicer. So I definitely think that will, as a as a whole, people expressing gratitude and saying that they're doing a good job and offering more support will retain a lot more people in the industry. And it seems so simple, but yet people are so uncomfortable 
in expressing gratitude and especially if that it's a senior delivering it to a junior like it's it doesn't make sense to me like I don't know if it's like a just the way the industry is but just be a bit kinder and I think it's going to help a lot yeah that's a really interesting point Miranda I didn't realize that that was something that wasn't done well in construction I mean saying thank you is is not hard to do and I think you know expressing how someone does on a job should just be second nature rather than the bad news I think it's it's it should be something like well done you did a really great job today you know that's a simple for me that's very simple to do I it shocks me that that's not being done especially for juniors I think it's so important to encourage staff that's how you keep your staff there your most valuable asset. And so you, in, instead of delivering all the bad feedback, the good feedback needs to come on a daily because most people are trying their hardest to do the best job that they can. And so offering support, just like you said, it's so simple. I It blows me away that that's something that isn't being done. And it, it's actually a sad thought that that's something that doesn't happen naturally it should come naturally to people to say thank you or you're doing a great job or you know well done it is a very very simple thing if that's how we keep some people in construction if it's as simple as that I think that's a really great point and I'm hoping that people will start to take um, that on board and realize the difference that gratitude can make to a person's life and their career And so we're asking um, our members and our special guests to pledge a commitment in relation to women in construction. So for the next year, what would you pledge to get more women in construction? Like what is something that you want to, you want to pledge for it? I guess I'm working really hard to help people become more generous and I guess understand their impact in the industry, Um, even as an individual. And I think that was like the key point of my speech to show other people that they can be generous and make just as much impact as I did. I've said it and I'll, like, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like I just got up there and just a, I'm just a person. So all these people that come up to me, they're like, oh, you're amazing. You inspire me. I, at the end of the day, I'm just a person and they can do what I did too. So I guess that would be my pledge, making people understand their impact and how generous they can be and how much change they can make. I love it. I love that pledge. And Miranda, just a final question for you or a final conversation. Um, Are you excited about New Zealand? Are you excited about speaking there? It's a really, really big thing. Yeah, I am. I'm super excited to meet everyone there, to meet like a whole new, not whole new industry, but like a whole new network of people. Um, From the conversations I had, there's some pretty incredible people waiting there for me. And I've just been invited to the University of Canterbury to sit on a panel for their students as well, um, which is so cool. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited to, to meet people my age and uni students at UC who are doing the exact same pathway as me and talk to them and hopefully inspire them and learn a lot as well. Thank you so much for joining me, Miranda. It's been a pleasure to speak to you today. Thanks, Lauren.